if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 161. This is our 2021 Grand Canaria Lopasan Open Tips and Picks episode. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's European Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. You can visit biggamblerware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our well famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor model. All available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Barry is at A Good Talk Golf, Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week apart from this week because I'm not actually covering the New Orleans event. So I won't be on there this week. We will try and put the podcast on the YouTube channel. That, for some technical reason, didn't happen last week. Um, Now, you guys as listeners power the podcast. So... We need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review so that I can read that out as well. Secondly, if you are in the growing band of YouTube listeners to the podcast, please subscribe and like the show. Okay, this is from Van Fitz one and he is in the Republic of Ireland. Title, excellent five stars. This is a great podcast. I look forward to it every week, especially the time I get to head out for a walk and clear the head during this long lockdown. I know where he's at there with that one. It's not easy to pick a winner, but the stats and info is excellent and entertaining. T4 Tony is mentioned every week, which always gives me a laugh. But the lad's knowledge of the game is second to none. I think... This is the best golf podcast by far. Love the show. And that's from Cliff in Cork, Fan Fits One. So thank you, Cliff in Cork. Yeah, lovely, lovely stuff. Lovely words, Cliff. Thank you very much. What do you know of Cork, Baron? Cork. It's the capital of the south of Ireland. You ever been down there? Oh, yeah, loads of times. Yeah, I used to. Good for a drink? Good for a few drinks, yeah. I think the last time I was down there for a stag, so the memory's a bit hazy, but, you know, we, we did drink a lot, so. <laughs> what would you drink in Cork as opposed to into in Dublin, for example? Do they have their own local beverage that, down there that they they like a bit? Because, you know, from my complete lack of understanding of the Republic of Ireland, you all drink Guinness, but clearly that isn't the case. I expect that there's some... Because I'm, I'm a regional beer kind of guy. I'm one of these tickers. I love to, I, you know, I'll go down to Cornwall. Yeah. I'll drink their local beer down there, which is, uh, you know, you can get like a some Arstall Brewery beer and whatever. What, what would you get in What would you get in Cork? You, you'd have a lot more of Murphy's down there, which is a oh, alternate, alternate to Guinness. So It's not a beer podcast. I understand the chance. <laughs> no, or or, or a state podcast either. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... But like you're, you're just going to have competing pubs uh, or pubs with just one or the other or some with both, but uh, usually they'd, they'd be one, one or the other. So um, it's not like we're lacking for a choice of pubs, though, if you're not particularly uh, in love with one or the other. So you just go to another pub. But uh, yep, what's that? I haven't been to, yeah, I, don't, I haven't been outside the few kilometers around my home in a long time, so... Who has? Yeah, it will yeah. come, Barry. It will come. Don't worry. Nearly there. Nearly there. Yeah. Paul, Paul, and I on Thursday are playing golf together. Yes, you guys are actually doing it. Good. We have a tea time. Unreal. We've <laughs> we have a hack time. <laughs> are you going for big big golf or little golf? Oh no, it's just going to be a little little nine holes to uh, to loosen the arms up. And uh, my, I died my COVID jab on Sunday, so my arm feels like I've been smashed around the. Uh, 
smash around the arm with a baseball bat at the moment. So Steve may well win on Thursday, but uh, I'll get my excuses love, in nice and I early. I love that. Get the excuses in early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ch- manipulate the odds in the market a little bit, you know. <laughs> We're both as bad as each other. Paul is far better. Paul is far better with the longer clubs. And then I've got a better short game. So it kind of marries out in the end because he's five putting everything. <laughs> and I'm taking five shots to get to the green and we kind of marry up at the end. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get together and you guys can play a scramble against me or something like that. We'll figure out a way to make it a match. Because Australian it's, doubles. It's a bit like this American thing that's going on this week on the PGA Tour where if you can marry up the skill sets of someone that's great from tee to green with a putter, you've got half a chance. If you married Paul and I's game together, we'd be half a decent golfer. You'd still finish last in the event, but you'd have a more respectable score, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Closer to par. It wouldn't be a complete disaster. Uh, we, we've golf opening so, next week here. Very excited to get uh, to b- book golf for the first time in months. So we're playing next Monday. Yeah, it's great. Now, um, should we talk about last week? Uh, thank you to Cliff and Cork. That was a, that was a really good review. Um, of course, keep the reviews coming. Um, we will read them out in future podcasts. We've got some very big podcasts coming out, of course. The PGA Championship is just across the horizon. So five-star reviews really, really do appreciate it. It just keeps the momentum of the podcast going. Last week, Paul, you scored a long-awaited winner, 70-1, to John Catlin, in that never-ending Austrian Golf Open playoff. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Yes, it was... Um, God, it, it was a painful last hour, wasn't it, after... Um, after we went into the playoff, and, and to be fair, Catlin could quite easily have won it on the 18th hole in regulation play with what, what did he have? Maybe a seven foot or something like that. It was better, mm, yeah. Right? yeah, it wasn't far off that, was it? But um, no, I'm really impressed with the lad. You know, that's three wins now that he's had since uh, since lockdown eased last summer, and uh, he looks like a really kind of stoical and uh, a focused player who, um, when well, who now hopefully get himself his first major championship start, which he stated in conversation in an in interview afterwards was one of his major goals. Mm. Now that he's inside the world's yeah. top one hundred, he should get himself a spot at the uh, US PGA next month. And um, you know, he's got that kind of major mentality. I think that uh, could see him go quite a long way in the game uh, over the next few years. And yeah, really impressed with him. Really impressed in a very cold and. You know, tricky week. He uh, he managed to keep it all together with a bogey-free round on Sunday, and as you say, that that uh, playoff just went on and on and on. And uh, it rode, it rode his luck a bit, but it was always going to come down to uh, a mistake, I think, at the end. And uh, Max Kiefer just uh, kept dunking it in the water, didn't he, in that final playoff hole? And, uh, that, that was, was that. cruel. That was unnecessary, but necessary because he had to finish out the hole. But yeah. It's the part part three is a playoff hole, like especially one where the conditions are just pretty much stagnant. Just becomes an execution contest. You know, it's just can you repeat this shot time after time? And um just it's not very exciting, it's not engaging, and it's uh, probably the most mentally taxing of um playoff holes you can have. It was just it was just horrible. He didn't want to. He didn't really want. It could I'd say you were watching from behind the couch, Paul? Oh, man, do you know? Yeah, there were a number of you know critical points in that playoff as well, weren't there? You know, there were putts made, there were putts missed. I mean, Max Kiefer when he made that thirty odd footer across the green on what was it, the third? I think it was the third playoff hole, um, yeah. which forced Catlin to then make. You know, it must have been it was probably longer the putt than he missed on the. Uh, yeah. In the regulation hole, it was probably nearer 10 feet. Forced him to make that in the bunker on the next hole and played what he described as a one in a thousand shot to get it within three, four feet to make his par. And as you said off mic, Steve, that kind of broke him, I think, didn't it, Key for the, uh, you know, he looked that at bunker shot yeah, as well. Yeah. He'd looked at that position in the bunker and thought, well, this is a bogey. All I've got to do is get myself down. And, um, you know, the, the, the title's mine. And, uh, Catlin, to his credit, found a way to get the ball near enough to the hole to, to make his par, and then yeah, that, that final hole was um, that was just a disaster for the uh, for Kiefer. Kiefer's interesting though. Again, he's another one that I have um, on my radar for tougher tests, and again, that's just enhanced that um, kind of perspective of his game last week. 
And uh, yeah, yeah, again, another one to keep an eye on. He, he didn't come in particularly good form, and yet he got himself into a you know a truly winning position. It's uh, you know both in regulation play early on in the on the, in the round, and uh, you know of course he was favourite at various points during the course of the playoff as well. So one to watch. Your fade of the week was uh, your fade of the week was making me laugh during most of the event. Martin Keimer um, <laughs> being at the top of the leaderboard the whole way through. But, um, again, you look at Keimer. Another Sunday last, you know, final group. Still no victory. No, no. When he came out on the final day, uh, bogeyed the first hole, which is the easiest hole in the course, the par five. Made a double a couple of holes later, so three over through three. And you know, while other players are starting to put a score together, he's he's playing catch up already. It's it's odd, odd with Karma, isn't it? He's he's clearly playing some good golf, and he's clearly very very close, but. Uh, and the prices you're getting offered on him, it's it's painful if you're trying to back him. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was all ready to eat humble pie should he have gone and won that, but um, you, you could almost see what was going to happen on Sunday, and, and that was exactly how it how it trans, uh, transpired in the end. Eighty mm. second in the world, Kyler, so he should be playing that PGA Championship. Yep. over at um, Kiowa Island. My we'd had rather large lunch, and we tend to go out for a sort of late afternoon walk to try and stay awake and burn off some of it. My wife kept saying to me, "When can, when's this golf ever going to end?" She kept shouting. I said, "But yeah, but but Paul's players in the playoff, and she was a bit easier then." She's like, "Oh, I hope he wins." <laughs> so do I. I was like, "So do I." <laughs> oh dear. So that's that's actually. We we've both had a winner each in the last three weeks. Yep. Clearly, um, Augusta was a complete and a cock up. But um, yeah, and I believe Barry that you were on the punt of the week on the RBC Heritage, which full kudos to the main man Dave Tyndall, who put Stuart Sink up to win that last week, a hundred and twenty five to one when the markets first opened. I've recorded Stuart Singh. He was he was a hundred and fifty to one shot with Bet three six five when the markets first came up, and his main premise for that was, by God, did he play some decent golf at Augusta? But all most of his or virtually all of his PGA Tour victories were the week after a major, and he just he just he absolutely dominated that tournament, didn't he? Yeah. Stuart Singh. He had the advantage of the draw, and he made full use of it. He was in that um, AM PM, which was I think a shot and a half on average better than the PM AM starters. But he just it, he was on the winning score after thirty six holes. That's that's just the truth of it. Mm. I think was he sixteen under he, through he was, yeah. two rounds, and the and the second place guys finished on fifteen under. Would have made the play a little bit more uncomfortable now over the weekend if they were a bit closer, but. Um... What, what he just yeah, but he just he could play that conservative, yeah. experienced route. Well, all, all I've got to do is shoot one under, two under par for the next two days, and his job done. And he was hitting the ball so well; he just had really good control of it over the weekend. He just you could he just looked so comfortable, Total control. knew what he needed to do, knew that everybody had to come chasing him, and were more than likely to trip up somewhere around there that would stop them getting that. Hot weekend, plus the course was getting a little bit firmer and faster um, by design. Yeah. So it was all playing into his hands that like those low numbers to make the leap up to him were um, were, more, were harder to come by. I mean, what an angle by Dave Tyndall to 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 Amazing. approach it! Just genius, genius level stuff. And I got loads of time for Dave. He was the guy that when I, when Paul and I started this twelve years ago, Dave was. He he was already what you know he'd been doing it for donkey's years, so I've 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 always read Dave's um, content and output over the years. Uh, fantastic! That that's a cracking cracking tip. I was so lucky, and I think half the betting community were on it. Yeah, so yeah. I would have thought he, that's 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 bit that's impacted a lot of uh, traders uh, of the uh, of the uh, layers last week because there were a lot of people on Stuart there were a lot of people on our Facebook group for Stuart Sink for a top 20 bet at the Masters mm. that's true Paul isn't yeah, it? Yeah. that that was like a community bet as well our little community yeah. all on Stuart Sink 
Because the thing he's been doing recently in the build-up to the last two weeks, he's been hitting tons of greens. Mm. And he played very nicely at the Honda. And then bang, bang, two two consecutive weeks with people scoring big on Stuart Sim. Yeah. He's back inside the world uh, top 50 now as well. Hey, if, you'd, if you'd have said that at the start, most people kind of thought he was one of these guys that was kind of semi-retired, going to play in the Champions, you know, in the... In the, uh, the the Champions Tour, whatever it's called in the States. Well, he's not that old yet. Well, how old is he's he? He's 47, I think it was, I heard. Well, it's getting there, isn't it? Yeah, but he's still he's, he's in that limbo point. between 45 and 50 that yeah. that makes it difficult for, the, you know, hanging on and not being maybe yeah. not being competitive on the main tour. Which makes what he's done even more yeah. impressive. Yeah, he'll be 48, you know. 48 now next month. He's won two PGA Tour titles this so season. So he's clear. Amazing. He's clear all the way to the Champions Tour now on the PGA Tour with those two. He has to have a two-year exemption from from this. So oh, he'll be three now because yeah, yeah, two yeah. from the Safeway gets an additional year, and now he's in, like Paul said, back in the top fifty in the world. Yep. You know, it's, it's you know he that's very yeah. He's he's him and Lee Westwood are really showing that you know you can have you can still be very you know this kind of age and be more than competitive. Yeah, keep yourself fit on the right courses, clearly. Well, yeah, and they, they, but they, you know, these guys are they're, they're fitter than ever at the, you know, in their forties, aren't they? And so their their ability has, you know, is, is not in doubt. It's just, um, you know, can can they still continue to apply it mentally and physically to the course? And uh, you know, in both sink hands and Westy, as you say, they've both been um, been a revelation this year, really. Second for approach. Fifth around the green. I mean, it's the perfect mix for Harbour Town. He was first from tee to green. He was slightly down on the putting. He was 25th for strokes game putting. But I think a lot of that was just his weekend putting was more conservative. Not, not he, super he was, aggressive. Yeah. He didn't need to be. And that was the thing. And yeah. You felt that he could, if, if the pressure came on, you felt he might, you know, he could have probably tried the accelerator a little bit and seen could he you know get, grab a couple more birdies but he just didn't need to his lag putting was phenomenal like the pace he had on the on the greens was just so good and yeah. and and the interesting thing about his um let's say his scrambling stats for the week was that he at all times when he could get make it uh, onto the green with a putter he did it was that's right yeah. you know and he was really good at it for the most part so you know, the, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat, and he was he was he was yeah. um, the most comfortable I've ever um, I know. Ha- most comfortable sweat of a bet in golf ever, I think. Uh, and I, I, mean, some- I was so lucky. I just I caught the tweet. I jumped onto Twitter, and the tweet was there. And I went, "Oh, that's a really interesting angle." And I didn't even I put no more thought into it. I just said, "I'm following that." Just put a bet on, and off we went. <laughs> Timing you got the is one, everything. You got the one twenty fives as well, Barry. I got one twenty fives. Yeah, lovely stuff. It was beautiful. Sunday group with Colin Morikawa. You know, real American young stud mm. can be around the game for a long, long time. Sink could have collapsed, but it was actually Morikawa that went backwards. I mean, that just showed that just showed you what complete control Sink was in. That was really, really that was impressive. Strange. You know, Mark Howe made the birdie on one, and you're like, "Uh oh, here we go." Yeah, now a good part. Oh no! And some, I don't know what what it was, but something. Whether he was trying to hit too the accelerator too hard, something went out of sync with the swing. Um, no pun intended. Sorry about that. And he, and he was missing the ball both ways. So like there was something it not functioning in the swing from that point on, and. You know, the only kind of fear I had was that Morikawa being a bit messy might kind of bleed into Sink's game and he could, you know, have a, a trip up or two and it could have been somebody from the other groups like McNeely who made a charge, you know, could catch him. But not catch him, but, you know, Sink would come back to them. But uh, he just held firm, played so solid. Sink was four clear of Varna the third and Emiliano Grio. What a leaderboard, eh? <laughs> There's two. There's two killers chasing you down, Varner and uh, Greer. But you have to give actually to to Varner's credit, he made he made an unbelievable bogey on the first after hitting it at OB, and he just battled all day. I, I mean, yeah. do you think he has a win in him? Oh uh, well, you and I were to you and I. I remember we went, met at Wentworth, didn't we? Yeah. That, that, God, 
That's, this is going, but you could actually you could actually meet up with your friends and go and watch golf. We met, at, so that would have been September, was it? 2019. 2019, yeah. And you and I, over a pint, were discussing Harold Varner and when he was going to, or if he was going to win a PGA Tour event. Mm. And I was like all over it like a rash. Yeah, I think he's going to win in the fall. I think he's going to win soon. I think he got into a couple of contending positions and then did what Harold Varner tends to do. I think with that one, it's like clearly Varner and Grio kind of in the back of it. It was almost like the Masters the week before, wasn't it? It's like these guys kind of know that well, Sink's not going to blow this away. Mm. They so don't could, really get to yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mentally. Free wheelers to just go after kind scoring. Of, yeah. I think Morikawa was the one with the chance and he, he kind of went backwards, didn't he? I mean, there's some, there's some. Just looking at the final leaderboard, I mean, Dustin Johnson ended up at ten under. He seemed to grow throughout the tournament. I know for a fact that he's playing the Valspar Championship week after next, so that's one to keep an eye on with Justin Thomas. They'll be heading the betting in two weeks to, or next week for that. Um, clearly, Shane Lowry played well again. Mm-hmm. Cam Smith was first round leader and then threw in that crazy Saturday round. That's a couple of times recently he's been right in the. Mix isn't it, Cam Smith? On I know you were on him at the WGC, and he he blew up big style on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But outside of that, he's clearly playing some good stuff as well, isn't he? So, mm. so you've got to string four four full rounds together, and away you go. These are the tournaments now that you've really, really got to be absolutely one hundred percent focused on on what players are doing in this build up to the PGA Championship, because as we see with the PGA Championship every year. It's that immediate start before the PGA, and you've just got to, you know, tee to green game, what they're doing, how they're playing, and that that kind of is the roadmap to who that PGA Championship winner is going to be. Steve, just like for, for keep, keeping an eye on guys going well on particular types of courses, like I can't see much of a connection between Harbour Town and Kiowa no. Island because. Kiowa's going to be playing, what, like 11,493 yards or whatever, uh, you know? Yeah, at sea level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's... Yeah, well, you're right there, but don't forget we've got, um, we've got Quail Hollow in a couple of weeks. Okay, so that's the one to kind of really keep an eye on for... for... I think so. Uh-huh. What's that? It's, it's like seven... Well, it's a Carolina golf course for a start, and it's 7,600 yeah. yards, 72. Um. I wouldn't. They're also playing this new course down in Texas the week before the Byron Nelson. I think is it TPC Ranch or something. TPC. I don't know. I need to look into it. But yes, you just we just need to keep an eye on what these guys are are doing. You know, if if you see Victor Hovland first for strokes gain tee to green, the outing before he plays the PGA Championship, it's like well, you know, clearly he's won twice on PASP. We know that PASP is going to uh, is going to be the, the the format and the the agronomy at Kiro Island. It's just kind of trying to join some dots together in that previous outing. But yeah, Quail Quail Hollow is going to have a great field, isn't it? So it'll be interesting to see how Rory comes back, for example. Yeah. What's Rory going to do at Quail Hollow? Yeah. Now you would you would assume he's working hard and doing all he can at the moment to try and find something. He might be a half decent price at Wells Fargo. Yeah. Yeah, and when it clicks, it will click, won't it? <clears throat> Just uh, haven't seen any real signs of that recently. It's coming. Um, I had Kevin Nahr, uh, uh, Kevin Kisner, uh, uh, um, but I suppose that's what you get with these high ceiling guys. None of them fitted the statistics I was kind of looking for, but Bermuda, eh, but that's kind of the risk. The one I had really that was in the mix was Brian Harmon, and Michael Thompson was on the fringes. Both didn't do a lot on, on, the, on the Sunday, so... I had a lot complete loss last week, but we move forward. Um, this week, I'm not covering the Zurich Classic, although I've got some thoughts on it. Let's let's do this quickly, shall we? I mean, I, I've got no preview. I don't like the event, but I've just been sitting around thinking about a few things for this and looking at some of the teams. And there's there's a couple I'm actually interested in in this team event. You and I, we mentioned off air last week, and we might have even mentioned on air last week, Tony Finau for this. I mean, I'm just looking at the betting. Boyle Sports, by the way, are eight places each way of 50 odds again this week on the PGA Tour, which for this team event is fantastic. Um, 
they're playing it at TPC Louisiana. The little bit I have taken in is that they've changed the greens apparently since 2019. And they used to be that um, mini, that weird mini Verdi Bermuda grass. They're not anymore. And this is happening more and more in the States. They're the they're Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass base. And they've, they've got this Poa Trivialist velvet bent grass on the top of them. So again, overseeded and there's bent grass in there. So that might open a few doors for a few of these that are more bent grass positive because everyone will be saying, oh, they're Bermuda grass greens. Well, they're not because they're over, they're overseeded with bent velvet bent grass effectively. But for me, I mean, I've just totaled this up while you guys were talking earlier. Tony Finau has not won, T4 Tony has not won on the PGA Tour for 137 starts. Now, I remember in 2019 when John Rahm won this with Ryan Palmer. And Ryan Palmer hadn't won on the PGA Tour since 2010. And he goes and wins a PGA Tour title with his best mate John Rahm at this event, the team event. And I just know, you know how the golfing gods work. I would not be surprised in any way, shape or form if Tony Finau and his partner, Cameron Champ, who has far more, who's actually got more win equity than Tony Finau because Champ's won twice on the PGA Tour. And in fact, in fact, he's won twice since Tony won over in Puerto Rico. That team to me seems to fit because both clearly huge drivers of the golf ball, not the most accurate off the tee. So it's not as if you're, if it's not as if Champ's going to be coming up to a drive that Tony's fit errant and not be used to it because Champ's used to being not on the fairway a lot anyway. Their games seem to marry. And the only thing with the other thing with Tony is that we 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 talked about it last week at Augusta where he got yet another major top ten finish. And you said, Barry, he couldn't have played any worse really to get that top ten finish. It was all putting and scrambling and short game. Mm. And Cameron Champ at Augusta, and he has been recently, last couple of outings, he's been a lot better from tee to green. Champ seems to be on the forward curve in terms of his momentum. For me, there was a little bit of 18-1 to 1 on first show, I believe. I, 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 I've had a little dabble at 16-1 to 1 on the female-champ team for this. Just really, in case Tony does actually get his second PGA Tour victory, this week in this team event, because stranger things have happened. But then, would they would it would it be classed? You know, in the golfing community, would it be classed yeah. as a PGA no. Tour victory? Uh, no, it's a PGA Tour victory. It comes with a two-year exemption. Yeah. It's, it's no different. But is it? Well, it is. I don't know. I don't think it gets world ranking points. But you do get benefits from it. Yeah, I know. But like, I think yeah, it, I think the pure the purest view is that yeah, it's not uh, it's not a win. This was Cameron Smith's first victory, wasn't it? Do you remember when he won a few years ago with Jonas Blixt the first time they won this? 100 to 1, that team. It'd be some mad irony now if T4 went went and won this week. Another team I quite like the look of is Billy Horshaw and Sam Burns. Now, Horshaw won this a few years ago with Scott Piercy. And if you're looking at a team that marries up, Horshaw... Positive, Bermuda grass positive, playing some really nice stuff, tee to green, clearly WGC. He was in the mix. I, I was surprised he fell away, actually, this weekend at the RBC. Sam Burns, again, hasn't got over the line, and we know that he's got the ability to do that. You marry those two together, Burns, a great putter, um, explosive off the tee, eats par fives alive, Horschel, more strategic, more tee to green, solid. I think that looks a that looks a good team to me. Horschel and Burns, twenty five to one. I'm seeing on those two. Um, I know that you mentioned Homer and Gooch. That looks a half decent team to me. The one there's also like a young buck team that I like the look of. Doug Gim and Justin Suh. Because you look at those stroke, their their strokes gained over the over this year, and they're clearly two very young up and coming talents. 
I wouldn't be surprised that those two marry together particularly well this week and get in get in the mix somewhere along the line. Not suggesting that they win, but I could see a top seven finish for them and an each way return at sixty to one. They're the three I might have a little bet on. I've, the only bet I've had is Fee now, just to cover him off. But I think Gim and Sir might have to um, have a pound each way on them. <laughs> and I'm tempted to get on um, Horshaw, who's a winner here, and Sam Burns. This will be Burns' home event as well, I believe, because he's a Louisiana boy. Yeah. The home pressure. Any team, Any before we move on to uh, Grand Connect, any, any teams that have taken your fancy? Uh, I, I backed uh, Max Home and Taylor Gooch, and mm. it, on the theme of sticking with your shouts, uh, even though they didn't click the week before, Ala Paul, you know, or 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 a little bit before Ala Paul with um, John Cathan last week, I've got a dip back into Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner again, yeah. Him and Brown, they they finish in the places here every year, don't they? They they have a pretty decent record at this, so yeah, I, they do. Yeah. yeah, so that was um, fifty to one. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't not. You know, Kisner seemed happy gone off um, shooting turkeys on the weekend <laughs> at Hilton Head rather than playing the weekend. So, but it's always going to happen with him. When a, you know, in a weird, you get, like you get these. The extreme results with him, he'll either go off and win for the week or it just won't click. Um, so, yeah, give him one more punt this week and see if he figures out something with the putting that he's trying to work out. There's some fascinating groups, I've got to say. You, I mean, Thomas Peters is playing this. He's playing with um, Tom Lewis. And then you've got a guy that I know that you were really hot on this week to, to do well down in the Canaries poll. You got Rasmus Hogard playing in it. Yeah, he's, he's a talented boy, he's isn't he? Vaughn, with Vaughn Taylor. <laughs> Where did that pair? Where's come that from? come from? <laughs> I wonder if they're the same management company or agent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, must be. There must be something somewhere, mustn't there? Let's put a, Vaughn put a tweet. Out. Literally, I need somebody to come and yeah, play with me. Help. And Rasmus is like, yeah, I'll get on a private jet. Yeah, I'll get across there. But yeah. Branch Schnedeker and Keith Mitchell looks a good, positive Bermuda grass team. I mean, Schnedeker clearly an outstanding putter. Keith Mitchell, a big, long bomber, who is also very, very Bermuda grass positive. 80 to 1. Showing a few little signs, isn't he, Schnedeker, as well? Yeah. Yeah, I I think he's got some top uh, top five, top seven each way finishes and potentially a win coming up, Schnedeker, on, on the right. Short, low-scoring course. I think that, that when he played well at the Valero a few weeks ago, it, it was genuine approach play and some nice tee to green game. Last week at the RBC, when you could have been really tempted to lump on him, he completely lost the off the tee and approach game, and it was all back to typical Schnedeker. He was an I think he ranked number one around the green. And the putting was a bit better than it had been at the Valera. So it's kind of cogitating. It's going from one week to the next where the tee to green game works one week. Then that disappears and the short game comes back. At some point it's going to marry. Um, yeah, I can see Schnedeker. I mean, there's, there's a lot of winners in waiting at the moment, aren't there? Chris Kirk's and there's where you know, It'll be interesting to see what happens at, uh, to the Valspar next week. Uh, are there any teams before we move on that you've have caught your eye. Do uh, you know? I've I've not looked at it. And you haven't looked at it. You've been flat out. Yeah, it's uh, generally it's not an event that I bet on anyway. It's it, yeah. you know there's a few that just don't catch your imagination, and um, I, I struggle with any of these team pairs events to be honest. Mm. So uh, so yeah, um, I, I may have a little look, but um, I suspect I'll leave. I've backed T four, and I think I might I might leave it, and then clearly we'll come to the pod next week, and they'll go. Oh, it was good to see Horshall Burns win. <laughs> Did you put any money on it? Nah, I didn't bother. I mentioned them. Yeah, yeah. Rose and Stenson are playing as well. There was actually some green shoots from Henrik at the Masters. A little yeah. bit, yeah, a tiny bit, a bit more positive. Hopefully, Rose, uh, it'd be his, uh, Stenson to find something. I mean, right. all, his, okay. all his exemptions are about to drop out of the five-year one this year, isn't it? This is 2016, so yeah, this would be his last year of the, the five years for the other majors. 
So a bit of yeah. bit of a there's a little bit of a fire lit under him to to get back up there. Yeah. It's gonna need he's gonna need some kind of charge, isn't it, to try and get a rider cup spot. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. But but yeah, he mm. needs to needs to pull his finger out, doesn't he? Just generally to yeah, for moving forwards. So the PGA tour is doing this team malarkey. Um I'll be back next week, full coverage of the Valspar Championship, which they play uh, down at Tampa Bay in Florida. But this week, European Tour starts a three-week jaunt to the Canary Islands. Clearly, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. This week, they're on the island of Gran Canaria, and they're playing the Gran Canaria Lopezan Open. And Lopasan, by the way, listeners, Barry did a two-second search. They're a holiday, uh, they're a hotel, Joe. Grand Canaria Lopasan Open, and then they jump islands, don't they? And then they're, they're doing two consecutive tournaments at the same golf course. Is that correct? Yeah, in, over the next two weeks. Yeah, in in Tenerife, uh, just outside Costa Adige, I think it is, which is one of those um, popular. Uh, resorts for uh, for, for uh, sun seekers. I'm sure I've been there. I'm sure I went there years ago. Not not to play golf, just for a bit of uh, memorable. Then I vaguely vaguely remember it. Must have been quite a uh, quite a boozy one back in the day. But uh, yes, so Grand Canaria this week, and as you say, Steve, a uh, Tenerife double header uh, the following two weeks, which takes the place of what should have been the Open yes. to France. Which that's right. Which should have been following cool. on from these two. So yeah, clearly the situation in France is a little bit more um, stretched at the moment. So uh, so they're staying over in Tenerife, which is going to be good for the players because well, compared to last week, it's going to be a massive change of conditions. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was like yeah. the Arctic last week, wasn't it? You know, the players were oh John Catlin and those mitts. <laughs> they they were the kind of mitts that they wear at these American football games, aren't they? On the sidelines when they're playing up to Tampa Bay, uh, not Tampa Bay, up at Green Bay and all these kind of places where it's minus 30. Things are lifesavers when it's cold on a golf oh, course yeah. to keep the heat in the hands. I liked his hat. <laughs> yeah. I thought his hat was quite good. Yeah, yeah. Obviously... So, so you've got three three events in Spain or the Canary Islands and then we've got the Betfred, Betfred British Masters yeah. that they're playing at the Belfry and that's Belfry, the one yeah. that's got... Danny Willett as the head of the tournament, yeah? Indeed, yeah. It starts on a Wednesday, that one. So um, yeah. Wednesday through Saturday for that one so that the players can then, um, th- those that are involved, yeah, they can jet off for, the, yeah. um, for Kira yeah, Island. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we've got an interesting uh, interesting few weeks coming up. Of course, we know a bit more about the Belfry this week and the next two weeks are going to be a bit more patchy um, given their um, courses that we don't, or haven't seen on the uh, European Tour in the past. So, the, uh, the my preview on the website is quite quite short this week because literally very little to to go through. But I'll take you through what we do know, um, mm. and yeah, I, I guess as I say to start with, the conditions are going to be massively different, aren't they? It's going to be um, very different in terms of difficulty. Um, the Diamond Country Club is, is a tricky test, as we saw last week, and of course the weather. We're going from you know conditions that are just above zero um, into the low twenties centigrade and you know, a seventy odd Fahrenheit. So it's going to be far. Um, more ambient conditions for the players and uh, they can feel their hands which is a step in the right direction as well and I expect we'll see much of the same field you'd expect um, the field that we see this week to be pretty much the same for the following two weeks as well so um, it should be really important I guess to see how this week goes and to to keep a close eye on the players that um, are catching your eye and see how they fare um, as we head to Tenerife over the next fortnight as well um, although it doesn't always follow, and we've seen this even with the, the events that um, follow immediately on one from another, it doesn't always follow the players who play well in the first week, um, you know, keep that momentum going and play well the following week. Um, but anyway, we can uh, we can start to build a view up of those players that are getting their, getting their head around playing in the Canary Islands and aren't just there for a three-week holiday, which sounds um, particularly appealing at this point, I must say. Um so the market uh, is headed by Antoine Rosner, um, his second win recently, didn't he? He won in Qatar. That was his second win in seven European Tour starts. Sixteen to one for Rosner this week. Uh, Matthias Schwab, twenty to one. He comes in off the back of two consecutive 
Seventh place finishes, so clearly in some decent Mick Schwab, still looking for his first European Tour win. Andy Sullivan, Sam Horsfield, both 22-1, to 1, both those post-lockdown winners. And then you've got Rafa Cabrera-Bello. Um, he's 25-1. Uh, to 1. He was born here on the island in Gran Canaria and um, is hosting this yeah. week's event as well. And uh, whilst he's not been in the greatest of form, you could certainly see that he's going to have a lot of the uh, local knowledge, um, you know, in terms of the agronomy and also the course that's... Um, most of the other players, and literally, you know, very few of the other players will have been and played this um, competitively. They may have played at a, a, a the holiday, I guess, over the years. But uh, Rafa certainly will have an advantage from a uh, course knowledge perspective. Uh, Kurt Kitchiama's 28-1. to one. Then you've got the likes of Callum Hill, Fabrizio Zanotti, Jost Lauten, John Catlin last week's winner, 33-1. to one. Uh, 35 to 1 bar those players. Full field. Most of the bookies are going six or maybe seven places. One to point out is Labrooks are going eight places each way this week, a fifth of the odds. Um, mm. And uh, I've put the, the new account offer up on the website as well. You get four £5 free bets if you place a £5 win or £5 each way bet um, this week and you get four or £5 free bets to play with. So T's and C's of course apply, full T's and C's on the website but um, eight places each way and a nice little uh, new account offer for play, um, for new players as well if you fancy that with Labbrooks this week. Up until up until February they were always five places each way I caught the odds weren't they Labbrooks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every week. Yeah, they've been really aggressive. And then February all of a sudden They've gone into this situation where, on a full field event, either the European Tour or PGA Tour, eight places each way of fifty odds. Yep. Yes. Which good. actually, that 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 that's the best proposition out there for for additional each way places. It is that's really, that's yeah. even be, that's even better than ball sports because they're they're seven and seven and eight this week, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, no, it's good to see. It's you know clearly the um, clearly the each way battle has been um, hotting up over it's, the last. It's well and truly started, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we're headed... I think you'll get you'll get you'll get in with Ladbrokes now. On a, they're not doing it this week on the um, Zurich, but I know for a fact that on a a full field PGA Tour event, nor you know individual players. I know it all gets very confused. Eight, they're, they're, they're doing eight places each way on the PGA Tour and the European Tour mm. week in, week out now. Yeah, it appears they're picking one of the one of, one or other of the events and uh, attacking it, which is which is good to see. So, so yeah, um, mm. as always, check check the prices. If the price seems sensible enough um, for the places on offer, then uh, maybe well worth a look. Um, On to the course then, Meloneros Golf. On Grand Canaria, uh, opened in 2006. It's a resort six resort style track, as you'd expect. It's designed for the tourist trade first and foremost, so it's listed as a 6,503 yard par 70 for this week. It plays as a par 71 for the tourists. They've locked it down to a par 70, but other than that, six and a half thousand yards makes it amongst the very shortest play, uh, courses that they play on the. Uh, on the European tour, and we've seen a few. What is this? So is this? Is this? Is this the Grand Canaria pitch and putt open? <laughs> well, I expect from a um, you know from a tourist perspective, I mean, there's four tee um, boxes for this as well. So these are you know six thousand five hundred playing off the back tees. So um, you know it's, it's clearly designed for golfers of all abilities, and you'd expect the professionals turning up to this this track. Um, looking at a 6,500 yard course and you know trying to work out what the winning score is going to be because you'd expect it to be seriously deep wouldn't you and we've seen a few like this haven't we um, Hanbury Manor was it wasn't as short as this but um, that that was one of the shorter courses that was used post lockdown um, didn't Andy Sullivan win at 27 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He, he, he got the birdies flow Forest of Arden was another one that was quite short that was the one that uh, Sam Horsfield won uh, the Euran Bank Open at Adam Stowe Golf Club was another uh, another short one. I think that was a six four six five as well. Joel Stouter won that one from memory, um, and of course you've got Cran right. which is used regularly on the tour as well, um, which is a short course. And of course that one's at uh, altitude as well, so it makes a short course even shorter there. But but this one's played is just above sea level. It's just in the cliff tops on the side of. Um, 
Gran Canaria. So um, 6,503 genuine yards par 70. It's, it should be there for the taking, I think. Not not the fake yards, the genuine ones. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, it's, it's not sitting at 1,000 uh, meters no. above I'm... sea level, but... Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, I'm expecting birdies. I really am. I, it, it, the course looks looks fantastic. You've got the mountains at the rear on the front nine. Um, you've got palm trees lining those front nine holes. And then the back nine opens up alongside the cliff tops overlooking the Atlantic. And um, you know, the views from those holes look absolutely fantastic. You know, it looks really, really aesthetically pleasing as well. So uh, it should be a lovely one to see on the TV. Palm trees, as I say, lining some of the holes. Um, other than that, it gets to an exposed kind of regular coastal affair on the back nine. Um, Passaroom Greens. So if you look at Passaroom Greens, look at the likes of um, Oman, Mauritius. Both of those are coastal Passaroom um, uh, tracks. Qatar, the, the uh, education city where they're currently playing the Qatar Masters. That's another Passbulum um, course, Saudi, uh, the Saudi International as well, which they played. So Qatar and Saudi quite recently you find on the European Tour. So if you're looking for correlating putting courses, then that's well worth a look. And overall correlating courses, Omar and Mauritius are both worth a look as well in terms of um, coastal Passbulum uh, tracks. Um, and other than that, we've got the weather forecast. going to be around about 70 degrees Fahrenheit, as I say, sunny. Um, it often is windy here, um, and you often find that on the Canary Islands full stop, but the forecast is only for around 10 to 15 miles an hour. And if anything, the forecast looks like it's laying down the wind a little bit over the weekend. So um, I'd expect it to be slightly windier than the forecast suggested because it is right by the coast and um, you know, it's perennially windy around these parts anyway. But um, it, you know, it, it certainly doesn't look like it's blowing a gale, which... Um, which is the only thing that would potentially keep a lid on the uh, scoring this week. And I don't think there is anything to keep a lid on the scoring. I think the scoring is going to be really quite deep. I'm expecting well into the 20s under par, really. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few players flirting with a 59 during the course of the week as well. So it um, should be an interesting birdie fest, I think. Um, but yeah, other than that, there really isn't much to go on. We only got the yardage for the course around about four o'clock yesterday afternoon, just before I put my preview out. So um, we were kind of toying with the fact it was going to be around about six and a half thousand yards, and that appears to be exactly where it is. So anyway, looking forward to it. it should be a, it should be a good one. Um, I've backed four players for this, and kind of using this um, logic of either players who can absolutely tear a you know, a, a birdie fest apart, or those that have got um, form on coastal pasplums based greens is kind of how I've attacked it. Um, so I've led with Sam Horsfield at um, 22 to 1 is now, picked up 25s uh, yesterday afternoon, he's backed in a little bit, 22 to 1 is the best you'll get out there at this point in time. And we saw with Jack, John Catlin last week, didn't we? He became the first three-time post-lockdown winner um, since last summer and Horsfield can join him this week he won the Hero Open last August he won the Celtic Classic a couple of weeks later and um, at uh, Celtic Manor that was the easier of the two events both of those he won at 18 under par uh, and key for both of those was making birdies he made 25 birdies at the Hero Open that was the best out there he made 22 and an eagle um, as I say a fortnight later at the Celtic Classic which was beaten by just a couple of other players so when I saw him last week making 26 birdies at um, the Diamond Country Club, which isn't a birdie-making course by any stretch of the imagination. 26 birdies, that was four better than anyone else in the field. He made 18 birdies over the weekend, Horsfield, which, you know, if you're birding every other hole over a, over a cold you know, um, weekend where it's virtually, you know, the, the temperatures are virtually zero or just above that's an incredible performance in my view and he started slowly he started with 74 73 69 67 so eventually finished 15th last week which is um, a nice little mm. warm-up for, for coming into this he should be absolutely packed full of confidence um the putter's working lovely he was first for putting average at the kenya savannah savannah classic when he finished third and he was first for strokes game putting that week Set, second for putting average last week and finished 15th as I just said one note on the stats if you're looking at the stats from last week 
and do take all of them with a pinch of salt because they were caddy collated um, strokes gain stats as some of the numbers are um, decidedly dodgy. But oh, you need that's... to tell a, you need to tell a couple of those numbers now. Come on, it's too they're too <laughs> yeah, good. The, um... it was as if they'd been drinking Murphys. Yeah, <laughs> um... as Barry said at the top. Okay. Yeah. Whoa, 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 don't be putting those words in my mouth. The Murphy <laughs> Murphys is good stuff. Steve, that's on you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, the, it's as if the caddies had been drinking it at uh, over in Austria. I suppose they probably on the wheat beer. To be fair, in Austria, but some of those statistics were crazy. I, yeah, I, I'm, absolute I'm, madness. I'm not sure that maths is the strongest points in, in some of the caddies. So, yeah, Kurt Kitchiyama apparently averaged twenty point five putts during the course of the week. So made eighty was that eighty two putts for four rounds, which is incredible, hitting <laughs> just twenty nine percent of greens and regulation. Gaining fifteen strokes around the green to finish fifteen, <laughs> which um, which doesn't quite compute. The other one was Nikolai von Dellingshausen, who uh, who trumped that. He he apparently averaged nineteen and a half putts per round, so um, seventy eight putts for a full round event. The se- <laughs> the secret to putting has been found in Austria, folks. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, and he hit just thirty two percent of greens regulation. So yes, if you're looking at last last week's stats. Take them with a pinch of salt. Anyway, I think the, looking at Horsfield stats, they look okay. I mean, he, he clearly is a fantastic putter. So I've got no um, qualms about seeing a second for putting average number about his name last week. Clearly coming in um, and making lots of birdies, seeing the ball hit the bottom of the cup is going to be key this week. So he should be approaching this with a, uh, a lot of confidence, I think. And we've seen him good in um, breezy conditions in the past. Fourth in Perth. Um, which is always perennially um, breezy over in that part of um, Western Australia. Seventh at the uh, 13th Beach Club at Vic Open um, back last year as well. It was blowing hard in the final round there. And he made one of the rounds of the day on the final day to finish 13th. So I don't think a bit of breeze is going to bother the Manchester lad this week. And uh, he's been scoring particularly well. Even before last week, five of his previous eight rounds were 66 or better. Um, in the two Kenya events so clearly playing some nice stuff so quite happy to take Horsfield towards the top of the market and also happy to take Kurt Kichiyama at 28 to 1 and I guess if Horsfield has that scoring power to contend then uh, Kichiyama has uh, the correlating cause form which is the other angle I've looked at this week Um, he's won in both Oman and the Mauritius um, and again, as I said a second ago, they both work for this because they're both Pasplum based coastal tracks. Twelfth uh, and ninth in Saudi, and then Qatar this year as well on Pasplum greens. Um, second in Kenya, and, and he, he putted really nicely in the first Kenya event, and then um, he obviously came very close to winning, missed the cut the week after. We'll forgive him that. Um, 15th last week, um, we can't really tell what his stats were like because clearly I've just gone through the. Um, fabricated numbers that, uh, that are sitting next to his name. But, but prior to that, we saw in Qatar, he was third for strokes gain approach, first for tee to green. Um, in Kenya, he was ninth for strokes gain approach and first for strokes gain tee to green. So clearly striking the ball very, very nicely. And I think this is, again, um, this is a more compatible and an easier track for him to get on with. And he's clearly got on with two very similar style courses over the course of the years as well. So, so yeah, Kitsuyama's in there as well, 28 to 1. Um, and a couple of Spaniards, a couple of longer-priced Spaniards to complete the team. Jorge Campillo, I've taken a chance on. And similar reasoning to Kitsuyama, really. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's done well on these comparable tracks. Um, he's got a four, he's got a win at Qatar. Um just getting a, you know, a similar kind of history with uh, Kempio, but he's around about four times the price at currently 90 to 1. Um, it, when he won in Qatar last year, he won off the back of form coming in of 34th, miscut, miscut, 67 mix, miscut. So clearly doesn't need to be um, in sparkling form coming into an event to get the job done, which is a good job really, because you look at his current form line, his current form line is uh, miscut, miscut, 28th, miscut, miscut. So it doesn't exactly scream impending success. But there are some signs there. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm desperately yeah, trying, great, uh, I'm desperately tr- desperately trying to justify scream. it. Yeah, it uh, he was, uh, that 28th was in Qatar. He was top 10 after the first day. Um, he missed a cut in both Kenya events. In both cases, he shot to uh, around a 68 and narrowly missed the cut. I think he's 
actually bubbling under a lot better than his form suggests. Let's say one in Qatar, he's got a second and a fourth in Oman. And he tends to turn it on when he comes back to his uh, his homeland as well. He's got six top ten finish in Spain over the years. Um, a medium length hitter. He should absolutely relish this this week. And I think that he um, is one of those players that could pop up and defy his form line um, coming into this event. So Campillo's in. Um, the other one that I absolutely couldn't resist. And the, the price when he first popped up. 200 to 1 when he, um, when the first pricing came out last week about Halathanjo at Canisaris was absolute madness. Um, this, this is the guy that was leading for three rounds last week in a cold and um, you know, non-compatible diamond country club in Austria. He led after the first round on his previous start as well. He's clearly playing some lovely golf. Um, and um, I, could, I, I just could I, 200 to 1 was just incredible to me. I, you know, that, that was, um, that had to be taken. He's still available right now, 125 to 1. You can get about Canisaris to win this week. Um, mm. and as I say, he was, he was leading going to the final round last week. Um, two first round leaders on the trot. He was pleased with his long game. I listened to all of his interviews last week. Sick for total driving, sick for ball striking last week. We know he's a fantastic putter. Um, but, uh, he's clearly got to grips with his long game. And th- this was when, you know, he's playing in completely alien conditions to, to you know, his Spanish um, upbringing. Um, barely feel his hands, yet he's going out there and uh, playing some, you know, he's knocking the flags out of the number of holes, I can see. It was, it was some really good stuff. Um, sixth in Oman back in 2020. And again, you know, as I've said, that's a Paspalum coastal mix. He won the trophy Hassan Dur. Um, back in, um, I forget the year, 2004, no, I forget We won't try and guess the year. It's um, a few years back, but that was on a short course back in Agadir um, before they moved um, moved the track there. And that was a sub 7,000 yard track back in the back in the days. He isn't the longest off the tee, uh, Canisaris. So this short track should suit him much better than last week. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't resist taking the price. I must say, it was um, any anything uh, three figures and above this week about uh, about him and, and his current form has got to be uh, got to be taken. I think so. So yeah, that's my team: Canisaris, um, Jorge Campillo, Kurt Kitchyama, and Sam Horsfield at the top of the shop. He won the trophy, Hassan Dur. In 2014. 2014. That was the number I was trying to get to badly. And he won the Imperial Collection Russian Open in 2006. Yeah. He's been around for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he has. And, uh, Nine, 19 under and 22 under yeah. were his winning totals for both of those. So he, he likes a birdie fest. He does. He can make birdies. He's a fantastic putter. And he, he was making a lot of good 200 to one was just 200 to 1 was just wrong. Uh, Great price. He just just could, couldn't, yeah. I mean, when I when I put him up last, yesterday, he was 140 on the preview, and uh, again, he's been nibbled in a little bit more, but there's still widely 125 to one available. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I see no reason not to take that. Really don't. Any fancies from you, you two chaps? I have a few. Uh, on, I don't know why. But it just seems more fun, like a bit of a roulette spin this week, with not knowing anything about the course, but. Um, I like the Canizari shout, so followed you on that. No questions asked. Let's go. And trying to look for some sort of, um, I don't know, a similar vibe, of course, that the guys have played in the not too uh, distant past. So, you know, looking for uh, maybe an island or uh, coastal courses. So kind of focused in on Cyprus for the the two events we had there um, at the end of last year. And also the Portugal Masters of Villamora. So get those that coast, get that kind of island or that geography vibe. And one that's popped for me was Johannes Veerman. Okay, yeah. So he had a, um, where did he go? Where's my, uh, he came fourth at the second week of the Aphrodite of the, of the Cyprus showdown. And he was the lowest score to par for the week that week. So he shot 67 in the final round. Do you remember the one where you just keep going round by yeah, round? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Down to the final 16 or so, wasn't it, on the Sunday? And um, he also had an eighth at the Portugal Masters last year. So he's a couple of decent results in, where were we, recently in Kenya. 
I believe. Mm. Need to pull all these into better form. But yeah, the 14th to 16th, and I need a miscut the week, the second week in Kenya. So um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll forgive him that. He was they were playing what back to back tournaments with one day break in between. So yeah, yeah no, no big deal. Um, so picked up Veerman and a couple of others kind of fit into that um, good form in Cyprus and also uh, at Portugal. One is Masahiro Kawamura. So he had a, a couple of good results at those, and he's around. I picked him up at 66s, and the last bet was Joachim Lagergren. Also had a couple of decent results there. Now he's been pretty awful recently, but hoping the the vibe from the the you know, the island vibe and will uh, will click for him. Yeah, he's a very 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 good coastal and um, linksy style player as well. Lagergren got a good record at the um, Daniel Links over yeah. the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, so those are mine. Mm, very good. Yeah, no, I, I that Lagergren and Lagergren and Kinholt, they're they're both the kind of they're both Swedes who play well by the coast, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. What's the story with this um, Japanese guy? He, he he clearly plays on the Pete um, on the European tour virtually every week. Yeah, yeah. the guy the guy that Barry uh, yeah. yeah. I saw it. Yeah, he was he's he's often quite prominent at the top of leaderboards as well. I did, I, I was tempted to put him up last week um, off the back of uh, Matsuyama. Um, you know, in, in terms of some kind of Japanese uh, bounce and um, I, I didn't in the end I left him alone the 33rd wasn't um, you know again it's you know, the tough old conditions last week but uh, but yeah there's, there's some there's some good correlating form I think with Karamura so I can see where Barry's coming from with that one and so it's certainly been flashing at the odd decent round as well over the last few weeks so uh, yeah no so I, I couldn't couldn't knock you off that bet I don't think he was what was he fifth a couple of fifth place finishes in Mauritius as well over the years I think so that's uh, another one that uh, catches the eye for a bit of uh, uh, reinforcement of that particular bet from Barry. Eighth at um, the Andalusia Masters last year. That'd have been at, at um, Valderrama, yeah. Valderrama, wouldn't it? Yes, and this this won't be a. So it's a very unusual. It's a very unusual path he's taken, isn't it? It's, you know, moving away from the Japanese tour, and he's he's a European tour stalwart now. He plays, you know, he's, he's on the tour, and that's that's what he's doing. Yeah, that's clearly his route to try and get to bigger and better things. Yeah, to play the European tour every week. Well, we've seen seen a few players over the years have done it. You know, and John Catlin's potentially another one who's going to find his way into the top fifty through the European tour route, and. Uh, and the world's your oyster after that point. Yeah, fair play. I've got absolutely nobody, so don't don't, don't listen to me. I mean, I, I I like I like your shouts for Horsfield and Kitayama and um, Kanazari seems a no brainer, really. Yeah, the price. Yeah. He's he's definitely the sort of that price, isn't he? He's he's also just from exp, you know the experience we have of following him over the years. He he's one of these ones that just once he finds something, he's goddamn awful for months, and then once he finds it, you know his names at the top of leaderboards can be for consecutive appearances, can be for quite a prolonged period of time from the past as well. Yeah, he's the kind of player that one one of these first round leads that he gets, he backs it up very quickly with a you know almost like Stuart Sink did last week. You know he goes out and puts himself. You know, clear daylight between him and the field, and and then can just kind of canter home. Um, that's the kind of that's the kind of player that I perceive him to be. And um, you know, he, he could quite reasonably get enough off to another flyer this week, and and uh, give himself a great chance of uh, converting that third European Tour event. We shall see. Well, I hope things go well for you. Yes, fingers bit, crossed. Bit of a quieter week this week. A just nice, relaxing week after the mayhem that's been around for the last uh, few weeks on the uh, across the tours. The yep. build up to the Masters and whatever. Yeah, and then we'll be into the build up for the uh, PGA Championship. PGA next week. Yeah, the Valspar Championship, which they played at play on the Copperhead Course at Innisbrook, which I always well, it's in Florida, but it's it's a it's. It's very, very, very similar kind of setup to Harbour Town. It's that Carolina dog legs, tree line, tough little golf course. 
so yeah, that we got that next week. Which um, I've seen Dustin Johnson and uh, Justin Thomas in the field for next week. So uh, it should be a decent tournament that one over in Florida, and then then they move on to yes, I think it's Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow. You got Byron Nelson, and then uh, the PGA Championship at Kiowa Island. Mm. Busy few weeks. Busy few weeks. I hope your um, tips and your um, selections go well, chaps, this one. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Thanks, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully, hopefully we catch a little bit of something else. It's tricky with the, the unknown course and quantity, but um, I kind of like the approach you've taken. Let's see where we get to. Hmm. Fingers crossed. Good, good luck to the listeners, and we'll be back next week, yes, for the... Uh, for another week of European tour and PGA tour action across the oh, have you who would be um you know we started this poll, we should really end it. Who would be your uh, who who would be your uh, your fade of the week? I you've forgotten. No, I'm I'm never forgetting Ed, Eddie Pepperell. We we can't do we can't really do a transatlantic double. No, we we're not re- we're not covering the New Orleans event. So I'm go, I'm going Eddie Pepperell. I'm going nowhere near Eddie Pepperell for the time being. He seems to be playing some really, really iffy golf. Um, which when I did the analysis for this in terms of um, coastal tracks, he's absolutely right up there. Um, short tracks, absolutely right up there. Um, in this field, relative to this field, you know, he's clearly one of the one of the class acts at his very best. But um, his game seems to be really struggling at the moment. So unless he's found something miraculous over the last few weeks, um, I'm going nowhere near Eddie right now. Okay, but so Eddie is your fade of the week. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I expect we'll see him right up there, like we saw Kaima last week. Potentially. Thanks for your time. And um, thanks for your time, listeners. We'll be back next week, yes, for the Valspar Championship and for the first of the events that they're going to be playing in Tenerife on the European Tour. Thanks for listening. Of course, five-star reviews. Keep them coming, please. And uh, we hope that your golfing, golf betting week goes well. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips And so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf